Welcome to another episode of the View Charlotte podcast. My name is Jeremy Orden, one of the partners with the Orden Ryder Group at Allen Tate Realtors. The purpose of the View Charlotte podcast is to help educate our audience to both the real estate market and our Charlotte metropolitan market, while also providing valuable information about our city from an entertainment and economic viewpoint. Each week, we'll delve into a topic that involves Charlotte to gain a deeper understanding of either the real estate market or life in Charlotte. Our mission has always been to educate our clients to the real estate market so they can make the best decisions for their family. And hopefully these weekly podcast installments will help to deliver on that mission. Thank you for joining us. Let's get started. For this week's episode, I am joined once again by my business partner and good friend, Brittany Osborne. Brittany, at this point, you are easily our most consistent guest who gets the best feedback. Like, why aren't you the host of this show? Well, I have been told, you know, my entire life that I have a very even keel, soothing voice. Um, It doesn't get high pitched. I don't scream. Nothing like that. So I'm sure that's what it has to do with. I've never gotten that feedback personally. The only thing that people have ever said is that, like, you probably have a face for radio to me. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) despite the fact that we don't have a radio show, we do have our podcast. And I'd like to welcome our audience once again to another episode of the View Charlotte Real Estate and Entertainment Podcast. This week, we're going to be going into more real estate-related topics as we go into a topic that Brittany and I were discussing this week that I think is really important to anybody that's thinking about selling their home. You know, unfortunately, we can do all the things right, right, and set people up for success, but there are still ways that sellers can sabotage the home, the sale of their home, and we're going to get into that today. What are the things that you should not be doing um, if you want to sell your house? (laughs) Yeah. So this week's topic is going to be also a tie-in with a blog topic that we have on our website, viewcharlotte.com. That's the seven ways that you can sabotage the sale of your home. And really, after all of our years of experience working with sellers, we've come up with a lot of different things that we've learned kind of the hard way that don't always yield the greatest results. So this week, we're just going to delve deeper into that and try to give you some of the things that we've seen that sabotage your home sale so that you can avoid them. So Brittany, why don't you kick us off with number one? Because I think that's probably the most important one. Absolutely. Number one, not knowing the local real estate market. We've talked time and time again about how um, the local real estate market is not what you're seeing on HGTV. It's not what Zillow says your house is worth. Um, You really need to know what's going on in your neighborhood, and that's why you bring us in. It's not just a market analysis of your property, looking at specifics. It's also being able to differentiate between value-added additions and things that are more of an enjoyment tax, as we've discussed in the past. An enjoyment tax, you know, might be something like an outdoor built-in grill. It might have cost several thousand dollars, but that doesn't necessarily correlate with a return on investment that ties in with that house versus going ahead and doing a bathroom remodel will certainly have a more substantial return on investment. 
The other thing that I think is important when it comes to really knowing that local market is a topic that, or I guess a, a subject that Brittany and I have become very, very well versed in discussing with our sellers, and that's aspirational pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting a little chuckle from Brittany in the background. Brittany, do you want to describe what aspirational pricing is? I mean, you know, I'll, I will describe it in a more qualitative way and I'll let you run with the numbers as you do. Um, but we really saw this happen during those COVID years of the market just being crazy. We're looking at comps and we're saying, okay, well, if this sold for that, then we can pretty much project that your house is going to sell for more than that. So we're going to list it here. Um, that's my qualitative explanation of aspirational of pricing. I think the big thing with aspirational pricing is that it's not always grounded in a sense of reality of the current state of the market or where that house should sell. Sometimes people just have a disconnect from the reality over the value of their property, either because of price per square foot analysis or other times because they think that some of their investments should yield a higher sense of return. But Ultimately, there's no better feedback than being on the market. So looking at feedback, especially when properties have been on the market for a little bit of time, if all of your feedback is saying that the house is overpriced or that it needs work, that needs to be reflected into the price and ensuring that you're aligning with the current state of the market to ensure that you get the best possible results. So that's kind of the aspirational pricing that that ties in with that. So Brittany, why don't you bring us on to the next one? All right, mistake number two that sellers make is overlooking easy fixes before going on market. I am very passionate about this. And part of that is because I personally can't relax unless my house looks like it's staged. So I'm constantly looking at little things and making sure all all of those little projects are taken care of because it just keeps me calm. But there is a more important reason to doing these things when you're going on market. And that is buyers are walking through your house and they are looking at everything as they should. So if they see a dirty vent, if they see light bulbs out, if they see crooked light switches, they're not just thinking, oh, those were silly little things that the seller overlooked. They're thinking, wow, when was the last time the HVAC was serviced? Oh my gosh, that light fixture may not work. It it could be a ball, but it could also be wiring. You know, same thing with the crooked light switch. Well, what else is going on with the electrical? So they're all they're all of those things that they're easy. They're relatively easy to do to set you up for success. A before anybody's walking through the house, and B most importantly before your home's inspected, because every one of those things I just listed is going to come up on an inspection report. And and taking the action before you go on market eliminates a handful of items from the inspection report altogether. This is such a good topic to bring up. And I think it's really a way that, you know, coinciding with our topic that people can sabotage their home sale. I mean, I'm very lucky. My wife on the first of every month, not only does she give our dog like their flea medicine, but she also changes the filters on, (laughs) you know, throughout the house. You are very lucky. I'm lucky that my husband does that, but it's hilarious that that Mary's in charge of that. I love It, it. She is in charge of it because it's her schedule. She knows that you know, it's the first of the month. These are the things that need to be done. And if she waits for me to do them, you know, like they would never get done. Right. So but when I'm showing property and we're walking through and I'm looking at the space, 
Like, I do look and see if we have a really dusty or clogged up HVAC system. Because if you're seeing that on the return vent, then obviously it brings up some concerns on whether or not the filters were changed and if the system has been operating in a non-optimal fashion. So ensuring that your general maintenance items are taken care of, making sure that the space has been well maintained, and then most importantly, making sure that the updates were done in what I like to call a good and workmanlike fashion. And this means conforming towards the normal standards. Like, there's nothing wrong with doing a do-it-yourself tile job. But if your tiles are all broken, if they're not laying flush, if you have grout that is going on top of the tile, and it looks like a do-it-yourself weekend warrior project, and not like a professional came in... These are things that not only are going to be flagged by an inspector, these are going to be the things that a buyer notices. And there is a difference between a do-it-yourself improvement and something that's professional. I think that is a really great segue to mistake number three, which goes along with keeping the clutter. And it made me think of that when you were talking about kind of these weekend warrior projects, right? First impressions are everything and they're long lasting. So what a buyer sees when they walk through is what's going to stick with them. You know, are they seeing clutter all over the place? Are they seeing, uh, you know, DIY jobs that weren't done right or small fixes that should have been made. These are things that you've got to think about. Um, And at the end of the day, when a buyer walks through a house, we want them focusing on the property, not your stuff. And that's the first thing I tell everybody when we go into a staging consultation. I say, listen, nothing that I'm about to tell you is personal because at the end of the day, it's not about your stuff. It's about the house, right? And we don't want someone coming into the room and saying, wow, there's so much furniture in this space. It looks too small. We want them saying, oh my gosh, these floors are beautiful. This space feels so open. And it's impossible to do that when something is over cluttered. I go back and and rather than point to any specifics with our, you know, client base that we've worked at, let's just put the spotlight on me. And let's talk about when we were getting my house ready to go on the market when we sold it a couple of years ago. Our bonus room in our old house was like my guitar room studio. It was an enormous room that was filled to the capacity with guitars, amps, recording equipment, a sofa that never got used. There were, you know, concert posters all over the walls. I mean, let's be honest, it was your playroom and it was filled with a lot of toys. It was filled with a (laughs) lot of Jeremy toys. And even walking into that room was was overwhelming for me and it was the space that like I worked and played in. So when we were getting the house ready to go on the market, I took all the guitars off the walls and put them into storage. I went ahead and decluttered and pretty much moved everything into like my mother's attic mm-hmm. um, for the time that we were going to be on the market because there was so much clutter and even though that clutter had use and utility for me in my life, it is not going to attract a potential buyer. So, you know, we've had sellers who have like massive Lego collections. We've had sellers who, you know, collect a lot of records or music. We've had people who have extensive art collections throughout. The goal of any staging or preparing to get your house on the market is for people to look at the space and not your stuff. Your stuff should add to the showing experience, which is statistically why a staged home sells for more money than a vacant home. However, 
by utilizing the space properly where buyers can enjoy the space and envision themselves in it versus looking at your stuff, it will ultimately lead to the best possible result. So Brittany and her decluttering approach, I, I think is is incredibly brilliant. Like The Brittany- last thing you want is for your stuff to be a distraction um, and, and making it difficult for the buyer to see the true potential of your space. So let's talk a little bit more on the decluttering. And once again, we can mock me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about my current office situation? <laughs> well, first of all, Jeremy's home is beautiful, and um, Jeremy is a collector of sorts. Collector of... Dust. That, um, musical equipment, Legos, and along with these purchases comes boxes. So there's also a lot of boxes. But I thought that, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I cannot relax and I cannot be productive in clutter. So as we were working together one day, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to organize your office while while we work. It's the first room that people see when they walk in the house and you can't even sit in the chair or open the door. So I took it upon myself to try to organize that the best that I could. I may or may not have sustained an injury, but that's neither here nor there. Whether you are looking to sell or you're just simply trying to like I don't know, live in your space with its maximum potential. Like decluttering is really important. I'm very passionate about that. With the injury, let's let's be very clear. I, I had a battery to an old drill. I don't even have the drill anymore, but I do exactly. have the battery that was on top of some stuff on a bookcase. Brittany took down that bookcase, the battery fell off and hit her in the head. I survived all of it for the thrill of seeing a decluttered uh, bookcase. But that is neither here nor there. I think the important thing to remember with this uh, with this section um, is that, again, decluttering is all about the distraction distraction and showcasing your space and not your stuff. I agree. And and bringing this even back to like my old office, which was just as messy as my new office, like I had a wall of bookcases, and I have a very extensive library of books because. Books are important. Because you're um, a collector. But books are important. Um, and before we listed that house on the market, like we took out the bookcases. We packed up the books. We we wanted to make sure that that room looked as good as possible. Because somebody walking into that office, they need to be able to envision themselves working in that space. And not going, wow, there's an entire wall of books and they're dusty. And looking at your, yeah, looking at your titles versus envisioning how they would set up the space. And I think it's a really, this is a really good place to shift gears into our next mistake. And I'm going to let you run with that because at the end of the day, all of these things that you're doing come down to how we're marketing your property. And a big piece of that is photography. So when it comes to photography, I, I look at photography as being kind of on par with video because people consume information in different ways. I'm not that person that like when I'm scrolling through my news feeds in the morning, if there's an article to read or if there's a video to watch, I'm always going to read the article. However, from my unofficial poll of people in my social groups, I would say that over 60% of my friends would prefer to click on the video. So when consuming information, how does the buyer prefer to go ahead and digest that? So when we're looking at photography or video for a property, the goal is to present the house in the most accurate, best light possible. One of the things that we really pride ourselves on with our team is our ability to accurately reflect a property 
through using the best photography and video possible. So we have agent narrated tours, which Brittany has been featured in in a lot, going ahead and walking a buyer through in almost that old like MTV Cribs type way. Of presenting a property. I love that reference. Well, I mean, not a lot of our audience will probably get it. Um, Robin Leach, that's going to really date me too. Like the Russian famous. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So there's that. But I think one of the big things that I run into when I'm looking at houses online, and I'm not specifically saying like cell phone photos, but just the overall presentation of photographs for a house When you don't have a room that's really lit, where you can't see the dimensions, where it's not wide angle enough that you can actually see more than one wall, where you're only focused on kind of a generalized space that doesn't give a person the sensation that they're in that space. So really having poor photographs is going to lead to less people wanting to come into the house. It's about the overall marketing strategy, which really takes us to our next topic, and that is having a weak marketing strategy associated with a house sale. So one of the things we really pride on ourselves is our million dollar marketing approach. And I share that because we treat every listing exactly the same in terms of how we market a property. It's part of what we do. And it's it goes much further than simply taking photos and putting them you know, in the MLS for people to see, although that's very important. There's more to that. You have to have an online presence um, you know, and you have to be able to expose your home to as many people as possible. I think when it comes to our million dollar marketing strategy, we came up with this before the, the million dollar price point was as common today as yeah. it is. However, the concept was Regardless of the listing price of a house, we want to present that house as if it is a luxury listing. So this includes not just photos, videos, you know, sponsored social media campaigns, but it's also including that back end working to market a property. So marketing is not just putting a sign in the yard and taking pretty pictures. I always tell my sellers that the most important question they could ever ask me is, what is your plan to market our property? And if the answer to that question is like, we take pretty pictures and we wait for a buyer to come in, to a certain extent, that's something that a homeowner can really do on their own. The marketing of the property needs to include being able to work out you know, relationships with other agents, to let people know about houses, to be able to reach out to your database of buyers in order to be able to secure that buyer or the best opportunity for your seller. It has to be a multifaceted approach that puts the house into its best light possible while also still going ahead and serving, you know, the wishes and intentions for the seller client. So Brittany, why don't you talk to me a little bit more about some of the video marketing that we've done with the agent tours that you've become so famous for? (laughs) Well, part of what we talked about earlier too is, and in in previous um, podcasts, is that people really want to envision themselves not only living in the home, but living in the neighborhood, living in the community. So another thing that we love to do is showcase some of the communities that our listings are are a part of. You know, one example would be a home that we had um, near Baxter Town Village. And so not only did we do an extensive tour of the home, but also what's right around the corner. This is you're going to be living and playing and we want to be able to share that with people so they can truly envision themselves living in that community i think the other thing that really ties in with this is that we are no longer looking at pure local buyers when it comes to a property 
So when somebody is relocating, let's say from the Northeast to Charlotte, like they might work for a bank or, or something along those lines, and they're looking online, they may not be as familiar with the area, or they may never actually physically step foot in the house because their travel schedule may not accommodate them coming down in order to view every single house that comes on the market. Our video tours are specifically designed to market and promote the house while informing the consumer about all aspects of that property. So it benefits the sellers because they're able to go ahead and have a wider audience as far as the potential buyers go, but it also benefits the consumer because the consumer is able to view the property as if they're walking through it. It's become really, I think, what we're known for, and it's how we really stand apart. Um, we're really excited about being able to provide those opportunities to our sellers and also, you know, to a wider buyer base. Um, number, I'm going to move right into the mistake number six, and that is selling your home for sale by owner and not using an agent. Um, and I know this is something Jeremy is very passionate about. Honestly, we all are because I don't think that there's one person on our team who has not run into a situation where they're bailing somebody out of making the mistake of listing on their own. And I can share a personal story about that, but Jeremy, I'm going to let you take it um, from here. I mean, we all have the statistics that, you know, show that a home listed with an agent will certainly sell for more money. There was a time, especially during the peak of the market, where we were working with a lot of for sale by owners with our buyer clients. And in my experience, the uninformed consumer that was doing that for sale by owner certainly did not either make as much money as they would have if they had an advocate on their side, but also just somebody who does this on a daily basis. It's almost no different than going to traffic court. You know, working with somebody who understands the legalese can go ahead and really save you a ton of money versus going in there on your own and not really fully understanding the full scope of everything that's involved. I know that my clients have benefited from buying for sale by owners because they've gotten a lot more in repairs and concessions. However, on the seller side, while they might think that they're saving some money, ultimately, I have consistently seen that they have left money on the table or did not end up in the best situation that they could be. Brittany, why don't you share your most recent story? Well, what I was going to say is I think there's such a big misconception that our job is easy. Anybody can do this. Anybody can sell a house. And with shows on TV that I'm guilty of watching up as, as well, consumer-facing um, websites that makes it easy to search for property, you know, people think that realtors just maybe aren't needed anymore. And why do I need to pay somebody to do something that I can handle myself? And, and it really has nothing to do with your level of intelligence, to be honest. But, but there are so many things that go into our job that I just don't think people think about. And my my personal story that I'll share is with my own brother. Um, my brother and sister-in-law are extremely intelligent people. They're very successful in their careers. They live out of state and they were ready to make a move. And so they live in a smaller town and you know the market there was very hot, but also they felt like, hey, this is manageable. It's a small town. Everybody kind of knows everybody. All we need to do is put it out there, put it on Zillow that we're going to you know, move and, and we should be able to handle all of this. And they asked me if I would be willing to advise them on the back end. Of course, I'm going to do that. It's my brother. I love them. Um, you know, I can I can help advise them on certain things, but I'm not you know, physically there. 
And they went ahead with it. And at the end of the day, they came back to me and said, we just, we can't do this. It's too overwhelming. Um, Trying to communicate with different agents, trying to market this property. People want to see the house. How can we organize showings, organize open houses? All of this stuff became way too much for them to manage on top of their day-to-day jobs. So it's so much more than taking photos, putting a price on it and throwing it out on, on a website. It's so much more than that. It really is. And I think that there is this misconception, especially when people were seeing that height of the market where homes were selling right away. Like there's a bad meme that's like, don't get mad at me for selling your house quickly. Like that's exactly what you wanted. <laughs> right. And there's were certainly some properties that, you know, while we did an amazing job marketing, I, I'm willing to like be honest and say like whoever had that listing would have probably delivered an offer that would have been acceptable to the seller. But it's on those other properties that it does need a marketing strategy. It does need a team behind it in order to deliver the results. And at the end of the day, for me, I believe that service and communication is so important that that's something that, you know, I'm willing to make an investment into, especially when I do see the return. So our last topic that, you know, we think can really go ahead and impact somebody as far as like the sabotaging is not understanding fully that life happens and that there are certain things that come up during the real estate process that you need to be able to bend and accommodate to. So, Brittany, why don't you go ahead and start this one off? Well, I was going to say, we talked a lot about this in a previous podcast, um, touching on the emotions related with buying and selling a property. And, you know, that is a big part of it. And that is something that you just cannot avoid. We are all human. And although this is a common process, right? People are buying and selling all the time. Things happen and emotions come up. And one of the things that we do and that we believe in is truly, truly educating our clients, not only to the market, but to the process and communicating that as best as possible. So we do a very good job of explaining what this process looks like from contract to close and all of the things that could happen in between, good and bad. I think we also have a lot of experience working with the different things that come up. Recently, we had a client that found out that they were pregnant with twins and you know, they were a few days away from closing on their new home. And that new home was not going to be adequate for their changing life situation. So being able to roll with that and be able to properly advise them on what their options were, including any financial consequences of not going through with that purchase. On top of that, we also work with so many different clients who have different reasons for selling. People sometimes sell because they need the money out of the sale of that house. Other people might sell because that house no longer meets that need, or they might be selling because they need to leave the area. I mean, there's an entire litany of things, plus we could always bring Joe back in to talk about all the divorce aspects. So, you know, there's all these different factors that motivate somebody for a sale, and life does happen. It's an emotional process, but having an advocate on your side that has the experience to be able to go through, like, you know, potential cold feet, the emotional roller coaster, dealing with repairs. And, you know, we've never seen an inspection report that doesn't say, like, this house is falling down. You need to deal with it, even on, like, new construction. So being able to navigate those waters, I think, is really, really important. Also tied in with this, though, 
I want to touch on improvements. So we referenced this a little bit earlier in our clutter conversation. However, Brittany, why don't you talk a little bit about improvements when it comes to our life happening and kind of rolling with it? Well, I think that people assume that they have to do a lot more than they really do. I know earlier we talked about not doing enough, right? But people say, okay, we're ready to list. We need to do X, Y, Z. We need to replace the carpet. We need to repaint this. We need to, you know, get new countertops. At the end of the day, our goal is to have our clients spend the least amount of money as possible getting their home ready to list. And so it just kind of goes back to we're here for you so that you can get the best outcome possible. Reach out to us so that we can say to you, you know what, let's walk through the house. Let's make a list of the things that you do need to do. You probably don't necessarily need to replace the carpet. Maybe you just need to get it professionally cleaned, right? You may not need to repaint a room. You may just need to do some touch-ups. So I think people get caught up in, in, you know, with that self-sabotage of starting too many things or, you know, taking on a project before they're ready to list when they really didn't need to do that. I think that's an important thing is there are projects that will have a return on investment and there are projects that will remove a potential hurdle for a buyer buying the house. Then there's also very specific design choices that people might make. Like the first thing that comes to my mind is always going to be like paint colors and wallpaper. Um, Very simple cosmetics, but statistically speaking from our experience, Like that wallpaper that's really cool and trendy may not appeal to the biggest audience. And they might be somebody like my wife who sees wallpaper at all and just has flashbacks to having to remove 80s wallpaper from a house and will never buy a house simply because there is wallpaper and she's like emotionally scarred from those memories. So I think the most important thing is to make the right improvements and to consult with a professional who can share that experience with them. I think really to wrap things up, um, it's just to kind of go back to the fact that we're here for a reason and we're an advocate on your side. So we're here to guide you through this from start to finish um, and and even the pre-start, right? We, we don't want you to jump into anything until we've sat down with you and really given you all of your options and explain what the process is going to look like so that we can set you up for success. That's it. A house doesn't need to be totally rebuilt. You don't need to take out all of your personal possessions in order to sell it. You don't need to completely depersonalize a property in order for it to appeal to the biggest audience possible. But there are wise choices that can be made that can go ahead and have significant financial benefits by going ahead and preparing yourself to be on the market. The most important thing with all of this information is to consult with a professional and to ensure that you're not making the steps that will ultimately sabotage the goals that you've set for yourself. At the end of the day, we hope that at least one thing resonated with you today, whether you're ready to sell or not. Um, Even if you got a little tidbit out of this about how you may want to do something different at your house, um, we certainly hope that you found something that was beneficial. Well, I think Brittany just summed it up perfectly. I, I cannot thank you enough, Brittany, for continuing to be I mean, I guess like my co-host. I wouldn't or... go that far, but I, I, I do enjoy being here. I'm not <laughs> sure if I'm ready for a permanent seat. <laughs> okay, well, we'll continue to work on getting Brittany into a more permanent role because I'm sure people enjoy her significantly more than hearing my voice go on and on. Thank you to our audience for joining us once again. 
And please visit our website at viewcharlotte.com for more information and join us next week for another episode of the View Charlotte Real Estate and Entertainment Podcast. Mm-hmm.